the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In this episode, we continue to look at people of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. In this recording, we look at Sarah. The main reading is Genesis chapter 17. So we're looking at, um, again, faith, we're in the faith, the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. Thankfully, we have a definition of what faith is, so we don't get uh, mistaken. What is faith is the assurance, the title deed, the foundation, the confidence of things hoped for, confidently expected, the evidence, the certification, the conviction, the proof of things not yet seen. Hallelujah. Um, and of course, we've been looking, thankfully, there's a definition, and then the outworkings of that, Example after example of Old Testament um, uh, godly men, godly women that prove God. See, faith is something that's proved. It's not something, uh, you know, I got faith. People, a lot of people say I got faith. Well, how does that transmit into your life? Because faith, biblical faith, produces something, isn't it? It changes the way. Of course, we've been talking about the way it changes the way we hear. Certainly changes the way we see. Uh, we, we're not looking in this at, at what we see. We're looking at him and the eternal. And we've looked at uh, some great men and women of God. We looked at um, uh, Abel and Enoch and Noah, bless the Lord. And we started with Abraham last week, um, fully committed, fully convinced uh, of, of, of the word of the Lord, even though um, it, was, it was a risk, wasn't it? But today we're looking at uh, Abraham again, but also it's interesting because we looked at Sarah on Sunday, didn't we? And sometimes we think, well, Sarah was the big problem, but we see here Sarah is commended for her faith as well. And it just tells me that faith can, you know, a little bit can go up and down, can't it? Um, and and the, it's, it's, you know, sometimes we're full of faith, don't we? And there's, there's moments where I think, oh, Lord, uh, that promise that you've told me, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm waning on that. And of course, uh, after 10 years, we said of, of um, uh, Sarah, 10 years, um, 120, uh, 120 months of, of uh, a menstrual cycle, and she was thinking, 10 years, and I'm not pregnant now. Let's, let's give God a hand, and we'll look at that in a minute. But um, here's, the, here's the scriptures. Um, verse 11, Hebrews 11, 11, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, one uh, man was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand, uh, as the seashore. Bless the Lord. Well, use the promise. Use the promise. Galatians, uh, Genesis 15, 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy seed in great reward. And Abraham said, O God, what wilt thou give me? See, and I go childless. And the steward of my house is uh, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my name. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Thou shalt not be, he shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall they seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. 
Yeah, what an amazing, what an amazing uh, thing. But just, I just want to read that verse again, because that's not a great translation there, NIV, sadly. Let me read it again for you, because it didn't come out right. By faith, verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability conceived, even beyond the proper time. For since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Of course, it says about Abraham, of course, but even Sarah herself. Um, but of course, as we said, faith there, initially, the word was given to Abraham. Abraham transmitted to Sarah. Sarah said, oh, bless the Lord. Of course, she was 65. Um, not, a, not our 65. Remember, they lived longer. So let's push that back. She was yeah, middle age, in her 40s, say, um, of our description, maybe late 30s, early 40s. Well, that's not too bad these days, is it? You know, I don't know, but uh, having a baby for an hour or two and, and again, oof, I don't think I could have a baby for through the night. It's hard work, isn't it? But there's, and she received the promise and she believed. But of course, as we said, 10 years went by and um, problems, problems. And she said um, she got influenced by the world and we can easily do that. See, doubt creeps in. And unless we deal with the doubt, we begin to think like the world and try to guess the world's solutions. Um, and of course, the culture of that time was handmade and assumed you could bear people, you know, bear uh, family through that, and that's what she did. As we said on Sunday, then trouble happened, and then she started blaming Abraham, and uh, it was her fault in the first place. But we won't uh, dwell on that. Well, just let's read uh, Galatians four, uh, because remember we said our mess can become a message. Bless the Lord. Galatians four twenty two twenty three. For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. There we are. Flesh comes in, and what does flesh do? It, it annuls faith. It, destroy, it chokes faith. Because um, faith has got nothing to do with the flesh. Because Why? Because the flesh always wants to work it out, always wants to get the answers. Faith says, Lord, I'm trusting you. I don't know what, how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm trusting your promises. Um, bless the Lord. So he trusted. Um, and we see that trust. And uh, the title, I suppose, if you wanted, wanted a title, is uh, Faith, Faith, the Only and the Last Resort. Um, because obviously now we're getting into, into, the, into the, to the place where they are uh, 99, 89, and uh, there's no hope. There's no hope outside of the Lord. Uh, um, Galatians 3 again. Just as Abraham believed God, I was accounted to God for righteousness. Therefore, not only those who are in faith, our sons of Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, went out by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In all, in all you, the nation shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So remember, these, these are examples for us. But again, he's saying that this is not just for Abraham, it's for me and you who trust God. And when we trust him, we believe in him, it's credited us as righteous. We, our righteousness of ourselves, nothing. But when we trust in him, trust in his righteousness. You know, here's the promise. Now, there's the promise. He was 75. He was full of faith. And that's going to be happening. When God gives us a promise, God gives us direction. God gives us something. Oh, he's full of faith. And we God's spoken to me. Bless the Lord. And time goes by. 
And then, uh, as we said, God sometimes drags it out. Why? Because he's doing a work in us, changing us, changing our character, making us more persevering, making us more patient, developing those things in our life. And then uh, from the promise to the fulfillment, there's almost a process. And uh, depending on how much work God's going to do, depending on how long that is, isn't it? Moses, 40 years, um, uh, 25 years year for, for Abraham, uh, David, Joseph, they had to wait till they were 30. Uh, the, the word is, is teenagers. Um, and of course, when you're a teenager, oh, you're full of energy and you, oh, my. Because you come to 30, well, Moses, 40, full, full of vitality. I'm the 18. He wanted to keep put his feet up, didn't he? Of course he did. Absolutely. Now he said, now's your time. Now he's time. Why? Because it's, it's all about the Lord. See, he, he's got to get the glory. Mm. Worldly thinking, look at me. Look at what God's doing through me. Oh, God forbid that, isn't it? Because why? Because then what happens? It stops the work of the Holy Spirit breaking out. Here's the, here's the promise. Uh, Genesis 18, 10 to 15. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's right, yeah. God challenging us. Don't fear. Fear causes us to do some strange things, isn't it? Um, and of course, it causes her to lie in front of the Lord. But So we, we get into a place where there's the last resort, and, and the Lord comes, and there's no hope. They've tried in their own flesh, they've tried in their own way, and it's failed, and it's causing a little bit of, although it died down a little bit now, Ishmael's in part of the family, everything's a little bit steady, although there's, there's animosity. Remember, we talked about flesh brings anger, animosity, and anxiety. And uh, there's a bit of animosity, but it's a little bit easier with Sarah and Hagar. She's still thinking, well, look at me. I've got a kid in you still, you know, without a child. And so, so, but you know what the great thing about it, although there was ups and downs in, in their faith, God commended Abraham and Sarah for their faith. And that's amazing, isn't it? Um, Let's read these scriptures. This is, uh, this is a real test and a real testimony to us. Romans 4, 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all, Abram's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the deaf, de sorry, dead, and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, mm. and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. 
being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised, this is why it was credited to him as a righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written, not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. See, that's faith, isn't it? Faith is not denying the reality of something. Now, that's, that's what the cult is, a cult called Christian Science. Um, it's, not, it's neither Christian, it's not scientific either, but that's what they call it. And uh, they would never go to the, to the doctors because if they were ill, they, they would say to themselves, I'm not ill. I, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. Well, that's ridiculous. And that counteracts what the Bible says here. He, he, he considered the fact, he saw the reality, his body was as good as dead. Okay, that's how he saw it, but he didn't see it just like, he saw it through the promise of God. The Bible said the promise, uh, Lord, I, 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 I no hope, but you promised, you promised. And there's a lovely verse there, he gave glory to God. The power of praise is amazing. Keep your mouth shut and you'll be in trouble. Get your mouth open, begin to praise the Lord, even when it is, it is against all hope. And your faith will begin to rise. Why? Because you're no longer focusing on you and the situation and the lack of the fulfillment of the promise. You're focusing on him who can do anything. And we see that through scripture. And we see David. Why am I, Psalm 42, why are you so downcast on my soul? Why, why? I will yet praise the Lord. Oh, I will praise the Lord. I will. There's the, there's the key. Is is an, an action of the will. Someone, I read a, a book the other day and they were saying, Faith has nothing to do with the, with the will. Rubbish. See, if the will is not enacted, okay, it's just something you think is true, something you trust, but you've got to enact the will. You've got to say, yes, I believe, and I will act upon that. Uh, faith, Paul and Silas, of course, in, in the prison. Bless the Lord. Now, there's a time to praise him. Um, not a prison like we got a prison, isn't it? Not with a nice computer in the corner. Do you want a degree? Yes, you'll give a free degree. You'll have plenty of years to work. No, no. This is a stinky prison, um, rat infested. Their back was lacerated. They'd just been smashed about. And they couldn't sleep. And at midnight, what were they doing? I would have been saying, Paul, what have you got me into? He and I thought we were going to have a great time. We're going to go preaching. We're going to see miracles. And you got me in this. this yeah, my back is killing me. No, no, no. Praising the Lord. Praying, praising, bless the Lord. Um, power of praise, of course, we know what happened. And for him. And the Bible says, he calls things that are not as though they are. Bless the Lord. The promises. I came across this, which I thought was really interesting. Because um, uh, they say, the man said, they used to say to me, how many promises are in the Bible? And of course, some, some would say, some, some said 30,000. He said, well, that can't be true, he said, because there's only 31,000 verses in the Bible. So they tell me, I haven't counted them. So he said, I, I set myself to count all the promises in the Bible. And he said, I counted 8,810 promises. 7,487 promises from God to man. That's about 85% of all the Bible's promises. There are 991 instances of one person making a promise to another person. There are 290 promises from man to God. There are nine promises made by the devil. One to Jesus, didn't he? He said, I promise you, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you these. You can't trust him, obviously. Two are made by an evil spirit. Two are made by God the Father. Um, 
There are book, one book, Titus, has no promises. Ephesians only has six, but on the other hand, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel have over 1,000 promises each. And Psalm 37, he says, practically every verse is a wonderful promise. So you can go ask some, some of you to check this week, can you? If you've got a bit of time, go and check that. But God has got a promise. And when he promises, it will happen, even though he leaves us to the last moment. And of course, you, we are, there's no, nowhere else to go. And God loves to do that. You see, God loves to bring us to the end of ourselves, because that's our biggest problem. And we see that in Paul's at 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, we see it there, 2 Corinthians 12. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be that it might depart from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most most gladly. I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What an amazing change. Now, remember Paul or Saul at the time? We just get a glimpse of what kind of person he was. Clever, extremely clever, but he knew it. Uh, arrogant quite bombastic, a little man, but he had probably a little man syndrome, quite a violent man. So the Lord had to do a lot of work on, on Paul, didn't he? Um, and of course, even, even when the Lord had said, you know, you can still rely upon your own abilities. And then, of course, there are, God gives us the abilities, but that's got to be surrendered to him. And of course, he gets to that place, he said, Lord, I've had enough of this. This, is this pain in the neck, I've had enough. And the Lord says, no, no, you're going to keep it. Because I want you to realize when you're weak, I am strong. You have to rely upon him. It's a reliance on him. Faith is total dependence, continual dependence on him. Faith is not a one-off thing, is it? We said every verb in the New Testament, Christian life, is an ongoing thing. It's in the present, continuous time. So we're, we're living a life of repentance. We're living a life of confession. Unless you don't sin, of course. Um, yeah, and we live in a life of dependence because we're always needing the Lord in every area. It's an ongoing thing, and and here he is, uh, living and leaning on the Lord, and he and he comes to that point now. Where that's a great point to come. Lord, whatever happens, I'm gonna, I bless you. I glory in anything that comes my way. Now I can't say that because something happens. I'm there on on Saturday, all afternoon getting ready for Sunday. Oh, lovely, quiet. Everyone's out of the house, nice and quiet. The phone goes, Dave, what's uh, Jackie? Um, I've got the key stuck in the car. <sighs> yeah, oh, I need the spare key. She's down in mum's, isn't she? Yes, I was quite calm, ish, ish. I thought, how did you do that, man? How did you do that? I said, can't you get it out? I couldn't get it out. Josh got it out. And I, I was, I was, I, of course, when I got there, the time I'll get it out. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, the, the, and when I, could I say it was glorying in that situation? I can't say it was. You know, wasn't, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but he, he gloried in everything. Why? Because he knew everything, everything that was coming his way was coming through the hands of the Father. So, uh, the last resort, there was no hope. Of course, in Genesis 17, they were a little bit older. They were 89. He was 89. So, again, that was coming to the end of, of hope. But now he's 99. 
and there's no hope. And uh, she laughs and he laughs before, uh, whether it was a different type of laugh, because you can laugh, uh, you know, like saying, Lord, are you sure? Or laughing like you're having a, you're having a laugh, you know, you're, uh, mockingly, as opposed to uh, uh, incredulously and saying, well, okay, Lord. But thankfully, the Bible says in, in uh, there, is there anything too hard? Genesis 18, is there anything too, the word is anything too wonderful, anything too astonishing for the Lord to do? That's a great verse. See, now uh, that's the Lord speaking, speaking. And um, Jeremiah picks this up, picks this up, Jeremiah, in, in one of his prayers. Jeremiah 32, 17, 27. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by the, your great power <coughs> and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show that to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great the mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give the, your, their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. You have brought all this disaster on them. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened as you now see. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field and silver and have the transaction witnessed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? Bless the Lord. Is there anything too wonderful, too astonishing for me? No. Of course, he won't square a circle, will he? And uh, we do anything outside his character, his nature, his word. And as one young lad came out and prayed and said, Lord, please make Paris the capital of England. Well, sadly, you know, he, he, but nothing. Wonderful. Marvellous. And Jeremiah picks this verse up, uh, this, this characteristic of the Lord. Lord, you're telling me to do this. And where does he start? As Hebrews 11 starts, creation. Creation. By faith, we understand the world was made, uh, what we've seen out of unseen. Starts with creation. Jeremiah starts his prayer, Lord, you made the heavens and you, and you actually stretch them out. That's really interesting. Uh, astronomically, they tell us that that's really, uh, the Lord knows what he's talking about. Uh, the Lord is stretching out the heavens and he said, you created and There's where his faith is coming from. There's where our faith starts, isn't it? We see creation. We see the handiwork of a creator. 
all before us. And the Bible tells us that is a, is a general revelation. It's impossible not to see it. And people do see it, but they choose not to see it. See, that's the thing. They choose not to see it. Not They can't see it. They choose not to. So there's the, there's the God of the impossible. Then we come uh, to the God of the impossible situation. Bless the Lord. Luke 1. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the most power, uh, power on most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, verse 37, no word, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Impossible situation? Of course it is. She said, Lord, I, I haven't been with a man. Uh, faith was, was, was stirred because her, her cousin, obviously past childbearing age, was pregnant. Again, the Lord is stirring. He, and that's why it's, it's not important, it's vital to be in fellowship, isn't it? Because what the Lord does for you stirs my faith, doesn't it? Stirs my faith. And you could say, well, the Lord answered the prayer there. Or the Lord didn't answer the prayer there. But 20 years down the road, the Lord did something there. And that's, that's why faith stirs each other up. And, and he stirred her faith up by Elizabeth. But it was still a long, long way off, wasn't it? And he said, don't, don't worry. Nothing is too impossible with God. See, faith sees an impossible situation. If God says something, he can change it. He can change it. Um, but more than that, an impossible course, salvation. What about these verses in Matthew 19? Matthew 19. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle and for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When your disciples heard this, they were greatly extort, extort, <laughs> astonished sorry, and asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Yeah, of course, that he uses a sort of an idiom, a proverb. I, a camel going through eye of a needle, of course, he's, it's called hyperbole, isn't it? And uh, you find it in the Talmud, it talks about a camel going through eye of a needle, similar understanding. Impossible. Impossible to save, isn't it? Impossible to save ourselves. He said, that's why you need possibilities with God. And so what happens is God takes us to the end, he removes any hope. Any, all other options, he removes all resources, he, re, he removes everything, why? So now we have to rely upon him. We have to have faith in him, and of course then he gets the glory. There's no glory in me, there's no glory in you, it's all him, and he's taken them to the very end, and he said there's nothing impossible. Now they have to rely upon God's word, they have to rely upon God's character, remember? God is only a, a man or a woman is only as good as their words, isn't it? You, 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 your character and your word are linked up. So you, there's someone say, well, that Dave Jenkins, oh yeah, well, you can, you can rely upon him, he'll be in work early, he'll be out as quick as he can, <laughs> he'll, he'll, be in, he'll be in work early and he'll put a shift in view, sometime, yeah, put a shift. And, and, of course, and, and, and what he says, 
Or, or they could say, well, like, don't, don't believe anything he says. God, you can spin a yarn and, uh, and see, you're only as good as your word. And God is only as, as, as faithful as his word. Thankfully, his faithfulness is um, abounding. That's why we have faith in him, because he is faithful. And that should produce faithfulness in us. Uh, Psalm 36, 5 and 7. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. <laughs> your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Yeah, you can't fail to get to praise the Lord when you read a psalm, can you? I mean, beautiful language, beautiful descriptions of the Lord, and it causes you to praise Him. But there's one thing God can't do. There's lots of things we can do that He can't do. Uh, and uh, there's the one, uh, He can't lie. He cannot lie. In fact, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. Titus says, and He doesn't lie. So when he says something, it is true. And that's why they, they and, and we, now we, we're trying to lean on him and his truthfulness, his faithfulness. Of course, he's true in his person, true in his commands. What is uh, uh, Psalm 119 says? All your commands are true, are faithful. If you live according to God's word, faithfulness of God, touch of God, the protection of God, the blessing, the provision of the Lord. You step outside his commands and there are consequences. Even when we repent and forgive them, there are always consequences, isn't it? Like they, they, they will roll on as Hagar found out, uh, and Abraham and I and Sarah found out with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, the consequences, we're still living with them, uh, you know, thousands of years later, because we have um, Israel and, and the Arab, Arab world. True to his promises, bless the Lord. He is a covenant-keeping God. That's why when people say about Israel, look, if he can't keep his promise to Israel, we have no hope. We've got no hope because he promised Israel. Remember, and don't, don't forget when, when he says to Abraham, look at the stars of the sky, look at the sand of the sea, the sand of the, uh, on, in front of you. Remember, there's, there's a two elects, isn't it? Heaven, Christians, and the earthly elect, Israel. And so he said, no, that, that's, that's where, where we are. God's promises to and covenant keeping God to Israel. He is faithful. Um, and he cannot change. Um, Hebrews 13, 7 to 10. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, saying yesterday, and today and forever, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Uh, what I didn't say is the, um, in, in Genesis 17, where we were reading, uh, again, God, I love the Lord because he, he, he does promise us, but he, he also uh, puts things in our way to encourage our faith. And in there, when they were 99.89, the Bible says he changes their name, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, from Abraham, Sarah, 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 to Abraham and Sarah. And um, 
if you ever listen to Chuck Missley, which I love listening to Chuck Missley, he says it because he goes through the Hebrew alphabet, and he says the Lord put a hey, hey, the fifth letter of the of the Hebrew alphabet into their into their name. That word hey means wind, spirit. He breathes his spirit. It's the divine. The the the, uh, the rabbi said there's a divine nature to that fifth letter where the Lord is because we see two hey's in the in the name Yahweh. Um, well, not say Yahweh, but uh, like that. But so he breathes into them. And of course, what happens is every time they hear their name. How, how many times do you hear your name in a day? Depends. <laughs> Depending who's calling, isn't it? You hear your name, and you hear your name straight away. What do you hear? God's promise. God's promise. My name's changed. My name's changed. God has breathed in. So now uh, they, they, that's inspiring their faith, isn't it? Because He's changing their name, and God changes our name because He wants to change it. Because He's changed our nature, and He's do, developing in us a work for Him. And He is faithful. He is faithful. He breathes into them. And uh, Hebrews ten says. All that the Lord is, he is faithful. Bless the Lord. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold uncertainly to the hope of we profess, for we, he sorry, who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That's why we hold on. That's why we hold fast. That's why we press on. Why? Because it's not my faithfulness. It's not about me. It's about him and what his word has said. I love this statement. Hudson Taylor said, he wrote home to his wife, uh, we have 25 cents, which even in those days wasn't much, uh, and all the promises of God. Bless the Lord. And all the promises of God. Um, and thankfully, he is true to his word. He's faithful to his word. And it, when he promises, when he says, uh, he sometimes uh, takes everything away from us. So we have to rely upon him. And uh, that's tough. And that's, that's um, uh, not easy sometimes. And uh, we have to, again, that, again, he's, he's trying to draw us closer. Isn't he? he always wants us to draw closer to him. And if, if he's got to throw those things into our path, then he will, because that's his heart. Joshua 23. Joshua 23. He's, he's, uh, he's on his way. And he's, his last words. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. All the promises have been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And when we trust him, rely upon him, and all the resources are stripped away, 
thankfully Isaac was born, father of the faith, uh, father of the multitudes, Abraham, our father, our father of faith, mother of nations. Yes, she became not just princess, my princess, but princess to the nation because she bore, and of course the promises fulfilled. Let me give a quote from an old Puritan. He's got some great insight to the old Puritans. Um, see, I mean, they were tough old boys as well. 1662, this is what he said, trade much in his promises. The promises are great supports to faith. Faith lives in a promise as a fish lives in water. The promises are both comforting and quickening the very breast of the gospel. As a child, by suckling the breast gets strength. So faith, by suckling the breast of, of his promises, gets strength and revives. The promises of God are flotation devices, because they used bladders in those days, flotation devices to keep us from sinking when we come to the waters of affliction. Oh, trade much in the promises. There is no condition that you can be in, but you have a promise. Bless the Lord. Trade much in his promises. Why? Because he cannot fail. He cannot lie. Um, unlike us. Bless the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.